The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Thanks, Rohan. Um, good morning, church. Um, as Rohan said, my name is Anoj, um, and it's a privilege to share uh, with you from God's Word uh, this morning. If you haven't met me, I've been here for um, all 23 years of my life, and it's been a privilege to grow up in this church. Um, so this morning, I actually have the, the privilege of uh, kicking off our new series, um, and it's entitled Transforming Faith in a Faithful God. And so what we're doing over the next couple of weeks um, is we're journeying through chapter 13 um, of the book of Hebrews. Um, now, if you've been with us for, for uh, uh, 12, the last 12 to 18 months, you'll know that we've, we've dipped into the book of Hebrews a lot. So last year, we looked at um, chapters 1 to 10, um, and then we came back to it at the beginning of this year, looking at chapter 11, um, and just last month, we, we journeyed through chapter 12. And so this is the, the final chapter um, in, in this book, and... <clears throat> Um, it's, a, it's a privilege to, to, um, to be able to dive into it uh, with you guys. Now, I want to <clears throat> share a story, I guess, of something that's, that's kind of happened to, to me, <clears throat> which I promise has, re- has relevance. Um, when, when I was growing up, um, if you know me, you know that I'm sports crazy. Um, and if you've heard me preach, half my analogies are sports related, so I'm sorry. But um, one of the things I really love, one of the sports I really love was rugby league. And one of the things I particularly liked about rugby league was the toughness of these players. I used to admire how these guys would get smashed and they'd be, you know, you'd expect them to be in bed for the next three weeks, but they'd get up and they'd keep playing. And I remember as a kid, I would always want to be like that. I'd always want to be that, that tough guy. And, um, you know, even if, if it meant faking it a little while, I'd, I'd always want to be that kind of person. And lo and behold, I became, um, uh, had the opportunity to play rugby when I was in high school. And um, I remember there was, there was two incidents, actually, um, where I was knocked out cold playing rugby. Um, I think one of them was the first game that my mum ever watched me play, so the, you can imagine how that was. Um, and I got knocked out, and I was knocked out cold, and um, I was out for a couple of seconds, and then I woke up, and the first thing I thought of was, oh, I've got to keep playing. I've, I've got to get on and, and keep playing the game, and I did. Um, and after that time, I, I learned about this medical condition called second impact syndrome, um, which for those who don't know, it's a thing where if after you've been concussed, if you get a second concussion within a, a short space of time, you have a really high chance of, of dying um, or at least severe brain damage. Now, having known that, you'd expect that um, the next time it happened, I would react differently. I'd go, go off the field and I'd rest. Uh, but a couple of years later, I got knocked out playing soccer and I did not go off. But when you listen to that story and you hear that, you expect that once you know something, once you know truths and risks and things like that that are involved with concussion, you'd expect the behavior to be different. You'd expect um, me to have gone off. You'd expect me not to be foolish. Um, and you'd expect us to live differently. Um, and chapter 13 really builds off the first 12 chapters where the writer of Hebrews has laid out a lot of great truths about who Jesus is, about um, what it means to have faith and, and trust in him. And then he starts and he goes through this chapter 
highlighting a lot of different ways we should live, a lot of ways that um, our lives practically should be different because we know the truths we've looked at in the first 12 chapters. Um, And so this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at the first six verses of Hebrews chapter 13. um, And we're going to see there is a lot of different um, exhortations he gives, but the underlying theme um, that the writer of Hebrews is going to show us is our need to grow in love. Um, So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Um, I'm actually going to read from uh, the last verse of chapter 12 to give us a bit of context, and it'll be on the screen as well. This is what it says. It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Keep Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to the angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honoured by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, what can mere mortals do to me. Amen. So this morning we're looking at two big things. We're looking at, firstly, our need to grow in love for one another. Um, and secondly, our need to grow in love for our God. Um, and so that's where we're, we're journeying over the next uh, 20 minutes or so. But let me open us up in prayer and then we'll um, get into it. Father God, we, we're thankful, Lord, for your word. We thank you that your word is um, alive and it speaks, Lord God, today. And uh, we thank you, Lord God, that it it has relevance to to our lives, Lord God. And uh, we thank you that you've revealed yourself in your word um, and you've revealed how you call us to live, Father. And we just pray that as we journey through, uh, Lord, these six verses, Lord, that you'd help us to to really grab a hold of of what you're saying here, Lord. Uh, I pray that your spirit would open up our hearts to see and to understand, Lord God, what uh, you're calling us to to understand and, and how you're calling us to live. Um, Father, I pray that you guard my words as well, um, that I may be faithful to your word, um, that you may be glorified in our meeting this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so the first thing we're looking at is our need to grow in love for one another. We're going to sit in the first three verses of chapter 13. And so this part here, the writer of Hebrews is saying this is the, the first act of worship. You know, we looked at the last verse of chapter 12 where it talks about the need to worship God as a result of the inheritance that we have and the kingdom that we're receiving. And so the first way he says this is to happen is to the way we treat one another. Um, and he's talking particularly to believers especially because um, he is talking in that context of um, the, the kingdom and, and the inheritance we have. And he's saying that um, our love for one another should grow and to, should, should change. And there's three particular, I guess, elements that he highlights. Um, and the first is found in verse 1. He says to keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. This is the, the first exhortation. And what he's, what he's saying here is that in light of what Christ has done, in light of this kingdom you're receiving and this inheritance that we common, that we share in common as, as um, believers, we're to love one another as brothers and sisters. That sacrificial, that, that wholehearted, deep, committed love to one another because we're united together in Christ. Um, it, it reminds me of, of uh, if you know my family, we've, we've recently had uh, my uncle and, um, and my aunt from Canada, um, so my dad's brother and wife 
from, the, from, from Canada staying with us um, just last month. And one of the things that I, I really remember, even in previous visit, visits that they've had, is there's been one thing that has constantly happened whenever we go out to dinner when these guys are here. And you can probably imagine what that is. Almost every time, there's always a fight for the bill. Between my dad and his brother, someone's getting up to go to the toilet and said they give the, the card or they leave the card at the counter at the start so they, the people know to charge that. And I always wonder, I was like, man, like, how old are you guys? Like, why do you keep fighting um, over this? But when I sit and think about it, that's an example of what brotherly love is. Where that, that desire to want to care and serve one another, to, yes, support people and, and pay for their food, but really just to, to love on them and to bless them and to, um, to have that unity in them and to make sure they know that you love them and you care about them. And it's that same kind of idea that we ought to have within the, the family of believers, where we ought to treat one another with that same kind of love, that sacrificial heart, um, that desire to be united with one another. And so that's the, the first thing. But then the writer of Hebrews goes on and says, not only that, but you should also show hospitality to, to one another. You're, you ought to offer hospitality, saying, he said, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now, if you consider the, the context there of, of Hebrews, he's writing to um, predominantly, I guess, Jewish believers. Um, and so they would have understood that and remembered back to, to Genesis, the story of, um, sorry, I think it's Abraham. Abraham, where um, Abraham met three strangers and, and, and he welcomed them in and treated them well. And he found out later that they were angels of God. And then furthermore, when Jesus is here himself, Jesus says too that we're to, to love on the strangers, to love on those around us. Because when we do, we, whatever we do, the least of these, we, we do unto him as well. And so again, the writer of Hebrews is bringing that language in and saying, you ought to show that same kind of hospitality. And it would have been really particular even here in, in, in um, the context of um, of Hebrews, because at that time there was a lot of people fleeing persecution. Um, there were Christians who were traveling from place to place, and there wasn't five-star hotels that they could, you know, um, book in and, and stay there for for a time. They, they needed to stay with with um, other believers, and so the writer of Hebrews is ex- exhorting them and saying, "Come on, like love on them, welcome them in, show hospitality, because again, you're united together with the fellow family of faith." And then the third and final um, aspect that he highlights in, in, in verse 3 is the need to not just show hospitality, but to actually show concern for those who are in prison and mistreated. I know we've, we've prayed about that this morning. We've prayed about the persecuted church. But how many of us actually think about that outside of a mission Sunday when we pray? And he's, he, the writer of Hebrews is saying that's not how it should be. We ought to remember them regularly. We ought to be constantly thinking of them as if we too were in their position. And this is something, when, when I read it, if I'm honest, it was something that struck me. Because um, if you know me, I've been on a few missions trips, and um, my uni uh, society, we send uh, teams to various places in, in Asia. And uh, we played for the church in, in China. One of the, the missionaries that we used to partner with and the churches we used to partner with have been affected directly by that, um, by the persecution. And, and even though I haven't been to China myself, I've heard so many stories of this missionary and their family and the church and how much suffering they've gone through and how they've been kicked out of the country and the believers have been imprisoned. And yet, in my own cold heart, sometimes I, I forget and I don't, 
identify with them. I don't remember that, that love for, for the, the persecuted church, that love for even those here in Australia who are suffering mistreatment and hardship because of their faith, sometimes isn't in me. And no doubt it's the same for, for many of us. And so the writer of Hebrews again comes alongside and says, come on, that's not how it should be. We ought to have that love, that deep-seated sacrificial love for, for, for our fellow brothers and sisters, and that includes those who are persecuted and enduring hardship. And so if we, we, if we run that, that grid over our hearts this morning and we sit and think about our own lives, how do we stack up? How do we, how do we go when we, when we run that, that grid over our hearts? Perhaps for you, the, the struggle is with fellow believers even here at PCC or um, others that you know. Ones that, that maybe if you're honest, you, you tend to, to, to avoid. You, you tend to um, hope you don't converse with because they're a little different to you. Maybe they, um, they like different things, they have different interests, or you don't agree with certain things that they say, or um, they're from a different background, and so some of the things that they do and think clash with your upbringing and, and culture, and, and so you, you, you kind of skirt around and avoid them, and you're not really willing to engage with, with, with these people, not really willing to engage and, and to love on them sacrificially, to show that hospitality. Maybe even in the church, I mean, we, we hear of needs and we're, we're content to be like, oh, look, I'll, I'll pray for you, but, but I'm not going to show you that hospitality. And I think as a church, we, we definitely do well. I mean, I, I'm, I'm amazed at how, you know, uh, when families have newborns and stuff, our church rallies and, and sends food, and that's great. And the writer of Hebrews is saying we ought to continue to do that, to show that kind of concern and love. And so if you examine your heart this morning, is, is that you? Is, are you characterized by that? Or are you someone that perhaps is willing only to go to a certain length where it doesn't hurt you, where it doesn't cost anything for you, and only that's, that's the length of distance that you're willing to go in terms of showing hospitality and love? Or maybe you're like me and you fail and you struggle to identify with the persecuted church, with those who are enduring hardship. Whatever, wherever you're at, wherever struggle you're at, our passage this morning, the first half of the passage, is exhorting us that, to, that we need to grow in our love for one another. We need to grow in our love for our brothers and sisters here and the extended church in Sydney and Australia and around the world. But not only that, it, it doesn't just stop there. The writer of Hebrews says that also because, again, because we're receiving this kingdom and this inheritance, not only should we love our brothers and sisters all the more, but our love for God himself should also increase. And there's two specific ways, that, again, that the writer of Hebrews highlights this. Let's look at from verse 4. And that has to do with marriage. And he says this. He says, Marriage should be honoured by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. What's he saying here? He's saying you should hold marriage in high esteem. Marriage which was created by God, an institution made by him to join man and woman together for life. You should honour that and respect that. And that's particular, particularly pertinent in our, in our culture today. I mean, we, we as, a, as a culture, we, we can resonate with the desire to want to feel connected and, and loved and have that intimacy with a spouse, whether we're married now or we're single and we want to be married. And we can resonate with that desire. But we've sometimes gone a bit too far where it's become so all-consuming that marriage just becomes about us. That whether we're single or married, it becomes about what I can get out of it, about what I can do. And it becomes a form of idolatry in some senses, where we, we seek to find in, in marriage something that can only be found in God. And, and we see that in our culture, if you, if you follow the, the, the uh, mainstream TV, one of the most popular shows in Australia right now, or beginning of the year, was Married at First Sight. 
Now, regardless of what you think about the, the, the merits of, of watching that show and whatnot, the premise of the show is completely unbiblical. The premise of the show takes marriage and says that, that, that you can marry whoever you want and if later on you don't feel like it anymore, you can throw it away and go to someone else. And the only reason that in the Australian show they're not legally married is because the law won't let them, not because they respect marriage. In the Netherlands, they le- legally get married under this show. And it's that kind of attitude in our culture that as Christians we need to reject, we need to hold fast to, to a healthy biblical view of marriage. And the writer of Hebrews adds to that, saying not just that, but also you should keep the marriage bed undefiled. And so for, for those who are married, it's, it's, a, it's a call to, to remain faithful to your spouse, to remain united and, and, um, and have fidelity towards your spouse. But to single people, it's an equally same and important call to honor marriage and to, to, to be free from sexual morality. It's a call to be pure. Now, it's interesting that the reason why the writer of Hebrews says that is not because you want to honor your spouse, even though that's important, and absolutely it is. He says the reason why we're to, 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 to uh, keep marriage in, in high honor and to um, keep the marriage bed undefiled, he says is because God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. See, what he's saying, what he's highlighting here in, in, this, in this section is that God, our God, the God that we serve is such a pure and holy God. He's a God that has never been tainted by sin and he values purity. And so as Christians, if we're to be faithful to him, if we say that we love him, we ought to live lives that are characterized by purity. Whether it be for, for married people in the way that we treat our spouse and the way we view marriage and, um, and sexuality, or whether it be for single people in the way that they keep themselves pure on, um, in, in the hope of one day getting married. The writer of Hebrews is saying that we ought to do that because we know the God that we serve is a God that's pure and love for him and growing in love for him ought to also look like growing in purity and contentment in him. And then secondly, in verse 5, he, he goes on and he says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? In this last section here, the, the, the second part of this section of you know, calling us to, to love God more, the, the writer is challenging the way we, we deal with material wealth, in particular money. And, he, and he's saying that we ought to keep our lives free from the love of money, which really echoes, again, Jesus' words when he was here and teaching on this topic, where he said that you, you can't love God and money. You're either going to love one and despise the other or, or, or love one and hate the other. And that, that language is, is picked up again and, and, and he's saying, don't be lovers of money. Don't put your hope and trust in money. And again, culturally, this is really difficult for us. Some would say that even more so maybe we, we, we're Christians, where we're people where we look at the world around us and we think, yeah, money does make the world go round. And so we, we think to ourselves, if I, if I have enough money and I buy everything that I want and live in luxury and I'll be, be comfortable, then I'll be happy and that will make me okay. Or we say that if I have enough money, then no matter what life throws at me, I'll still be able to, to buy things and be in control of the situation, so I, I need to have a lot more money. Or we say that, that if, I, if I have um, a lot of money, I'll be able to choose the life I want to live and, and people will approve of me and I'll, I'll be okay. And so we, we buy into all these lies and we say that money is the solution and we need lots and lots of it. But the, the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't put your trust in money. 
Don't put your, your hope and your, 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 your security in money. Don't, don't fall into the trap of loving money and thinking that money is going to bring you everything. Instead, we're to love the God that says he will never leave us or forsake us. We're to love the Lord who said that he will be our helper. Now, I'm not for, for an instance saying that we should be flipping with our money and we should quit our jobs and throw away our money and not earn money or anything like that. But the question is really going to, to, to ask where our heart's at, where our trust is at, and where our attitude towards um, money and material wealth is at. I was reading a, a book um, by the name of Crazy, it's called Crazy Love by, by Francis Chan. And he, and he shares this, this, this story, this encounter he had with his professor um, at, at Bible College. Um, and the, the professor asked him a question and asked the class a question. Uh, when I read it, it was something that, that just struck me and, and really uh, got me thinking a lot. And, and he says this, he says, it's a simple question. He says, what are you doing right now that requires faith? And I think particularly in our context, it's relevant here because we're, we're, we live in a culture where we place our faith in money. We, we trust our money to be able to provide for us. We trust our money to be able to look after us rather than our God. And so again, whilst we're called to be good stewards of our, of our, of our money and, and to, to use it well for, for God's glory, the writer of Hebrews is saying, put your trust in God because God is the one that will never leave you or forsake you. And so again, when we run those three verses over the grids of our hearts again, where, where do we stand? Perhaps you're someone, and, 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 and with, the first, uh, with verse 4 there, you, you resonate with, with struggles for, for sexual purity and, um, and, and honoring marriage and, and things like that. Maybe you're, whether you're a spouse or uh, whether you're unmarried, you're, you're falling to temptation a lot. Uh, maybe you're wrestling with addictions to pornography and sexual sin to the point where you've almost given up fighting. And you think, what's the point? What's the point? Or maybe for you, again, it's with, it's with money, and, and you've you've been someone like like me, if I'm honest, that 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 puts your trust in money, that puts your faith in money. You look at at, at your 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 bank balance, and, and it's like, oh, it's not where I want it to be. I, I need a couple of extra zeros, and then I'll be secure. And you wrestle with that, and maybe you read this passage, and you go, man, if, if I'm honest. Maybe my faith is, is not fully secure in Christ. Maybe I'm not putting my trust in Christ and in God as I ought to. Wherever you stand here, again, the writer of Hebrews is saying, we, need, we as people need to grow in our love for our God. Because our God is, is our Savior. He's our King. When, when that, um, in verse 6, when it says the, the Lord, when we look back to the, the Psalms where, where it's quoted from, capital L-O-R-D, that's the, the covenant-keeping name of God that he gives to his people after he's rescued them from Egypt. It's a sign and a reminder of the salvation that they've received. And it's that God that they can trust to be their helper. And we as Christians have a similar um, Advantage. We, we as Christians, not only do we look back on a time of rescue from Egypt, but we look at a time of rescue from sin when Jesus on the cross. And so as we come to a close, the question we have to ask ourselves is, well, what now? How, how do we grow in love for one another? How do we, do we grow to, to love God more? Is it just a case about gritting our teeth harder? Do we just try hard? I'm just going to force myself to talk to that person that's been hard. I'm just going to force myself to, 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 to somehow trust God with, with my, my, my material possessions and my struggles with that. Friends, I, I want to say lovingly that if, if that's how we try to respond, it's not going to last very long if there is any change at all. 
Instead, that the, the writer of Hebrews reminds us again of the, of the how, how we ought to do that. It starts with verse 28 of chapter 12, where we're reminded of the kingdom that we're receiving, the inheritance that's to come. The whole reason why we're called to love one another, the fellow brothers and sisters called to love God, is because we have this inheritance, we have this kingdom that's unshakable, that's coming. But it also ought to remind us of why we have that, how we even have that. And that, the answer is, is, is because of what Jesus has done. See, Jesus was the creator of this world. He was the one that made everything in this world. And yet when he came to the, this world, instead of being treated like a savior, he was treated like a stranger. Instead of being shown hospitality, he was shown hostility. And what was his response to that? His response was to willingly submit himself to the greatest act of mistreatment that the world has ever seen, the perfect, sinless Son of God dying for sinful people like you and I. And then we, we, we see the cross and we see that Jesus on the cross was taking the, the judgment and the, and the wrath that was due unto us. Because we were the ones that did. We were the sexual sinners. We were the idolaters. We deserve that. But Jesus took that. And so now because, um, because Jesus cried, my God, why have you forsaken me? We can say that God will never forsake us. And so when we come to that point, that's where we start. We come and we, we, we fall at the foot of the cross and we say, God, we need you. We need your help. We need your strength. And we, we, we see God's love the greatest act of love, to lay his life down for you and I. And when we sit there and we behold that, we come before God and we're left speechless and we're left in awe of it. And we ask God, help me. As we help me to, to love my brothers and sisters, help me to love you more. My heart is so cold, my heart is so dry and so tempted to idolatry, but, but I want to love you because you're deserving of that because I see how much you already love me. So friends, as we, as we come to a close, that's where we've got to start. We've got to come before God and, and, and get, um, get on our knees before the cross and, and repent and, and, and ask Him for His help. And so uh, I'm going to give us a couple of moments just to come before God and do that. Uh, maybe there was something here that was challenging and you realize, oh, I, I need to, 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 to wrestle with that. I need to grow in that. Just come before God and, and, and sit and think about this. Think about what Jesus has done for you, the love he's poured out for you, the hospitality he's given you in laying his life down for you. And start there and repent and say, God, I, I need you to help me by the power of your spirit to, to, to love you more and to love one another with, with all we've got. So I'm going to give you a moment to, to pray and come before God and then I'll close us off in prayer.
God, we thank you that we can come before you and, and, and sit at the foot of the cross. We thank you that we can remember your act of love, your act of sacrifice for us. Lord God, we're sorry for the times that we've taken that but not shown that same kind of love to our brothers and sisters. We're sorry for the times that we've taken that and not responded in love to you and we've, we've treated you, we've used you to give us things um, and, and rejected you as a person. Lord, we're sorry for that. We pray that you'd create in us a repentant heart. We pray that your spirit would, would, would make our hearts grieve for our own sin, grieve for our own selfishness and our inability to, to, to love, Lord. And we pray that by your spirit that you would empower us to grow. Lord, that as we look at one another here in this church and fellow believers um, in the various spheres that we're in, Lord, we pray that you'd, you'd well up in us a, a, a heart of compassion and love for one another, that we'd be, we would be sacrificial, we would be hospitable, that we would identify with those who are struggling. And Lord God, ultimately we pray that we would grow in our love for you, that we would love you with every ounce of our being. Lord God, that it, that it wouldn't just be a Sunday thing that we do. Lord God, we pray that in the way we relate to, to, to material wealth, Lord, the way we relate to, to marriage and, and what's been said in this text, Lord God, we pray that we would do it out of a love for you. We'll do everything out of a love for you. Lord God, you're, you're the only one that deserves that kind of love, the only one that deserves that kind of um, sacrifice and, and, and giving, Lord. And so we, we pray that you'd help us to live like that. You'd help us to live lives that are repentant um, and constantly relying on you and, and, and grateful and, and secure, Lord, in your love for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.